The following is an exclusive presentation of Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation. Welcome to the Pirate Radio Podcast, featuring special guests discussing a wide range of topics and personal stories. The Pirate Radio Podcast is presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Nothing tastes quite like it. Visit WhiteClaw.com today. White Claw Hard Seltzer, proudly distributed by Coastal Beverage. Please drink responsibly. Now live from the Pirate Radio Studio, here's Shirley Rhodes. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pirate Radio Podcast featuring ECU's new Chancellor, Dr. Philip Rogers. The Pirate Radio Podcast is brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. On today's podcast, Troy D. and Dr. Rogers will have a great discussion on the state of ECU as a whole and what it's like to come back home to Greenville. Sit back and relax. Today's Pirate Radio Podcast presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer with Dr. Philip Rogers starts right now. And welcome in to the Pirate Radio Podcast. It is an honor and a privilege to welcome the brand new Chancellor of East Carolina University, Dr. Philip Rogers, who is with us in studio. And uh, first of all, let me say congratulations to you and welcome aboard. Well, thank you so much. It's great to be back in Greenville. Great to be back in this studio here. Fun place to be. I feel like I need to take care of some business first because I know you as Philip. Like I've known you for a while, but and now you're like some people know you as Doctor Rogers. Other people know now you know you as Chancellor Rogers. Like what do we call you? Well, I've always said that when I when I write my memoir one day, it's going to be how Mister Rogers became Doctor Phil. <laughs> so we we'll have to figure like out that. somewhere between Mister Rogers and Doctor Phil. Chancellor feels like it has too many syllables. So yeah, we, Chancellor we, sounds very formal. It's Philip, it? it is. That's okay, what I've been Phil, since right. I grew up here. So well, let's let's roll with it. It is great to have you back, and this is an honor and a privilege for us to have our the first full sit down interview with you as new Chancellor. It is. It's great. This That's is, that's too honored. I actually, and I got the first question in on your opening press conference when they on the day you were announced. You did, and I was able to tell you about my my experience in in Washington D.C. and um, how I got to listen to pirate radio on a regular basis. And you know why? Because of the traffic. Oh yeah. So I'd sit in traffic for an hour a day. And this you stay connected, six, and I stayed connected online, on mobile, whatever it may yeah. be. I was how at, awesome! That is a great testament to the power of technology. You were all how, over the place. How you can move away and still be a part of what's going on. So, uh, Philip, let's talk about how you came back to Greenville because this is you know I want folks, some folks, I'm sure a lot of people may be hearing you and seeing you for the first time. Let's talk about who you are of course we've discussed before you you know you're from greenville you've worked at east carolina before that's where i first met you many years ago but uh let's start there i guess let's start with your background for folks that aren't familiar with you and your ties to greenville and east carolina university yeah definitely greenville's my home it's been my home my entire life i moved here when i was six months old the ripe age of six months old and uh my my parents have lived here for 40 years uh nearly 40 years and um Father's been a pastor, local pastor here in Greenville. Mother's in higher education. My For folks that are wondering, Oakmont Baptist Church. O- Oakmont Baptist yeah. Church. My, Give them a, a plug. <laughs> absolutely, we have to get a little branding and uh, a little little marketing going on on that front as well. But my uh, Gene Rogers, uh, Greg Rogers, Greg Rogers, Greg, Greg Rogers. Rogers. I haven't yeah. seen him in a long time, it's, but it's, uh, always a super nice guy. Definitely. And my uh, my mother was at Pitt Community College as uh, in the dean of students office and assistant vice president there. My sisters in higher education. I say our whole family's in higher yeah. education. 
education. My wife has a, 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 been a faculty member at ECU in the past and was at George Mason before, but uh, Greenville has been, has been home. And um, it was just one of those places growing up that um, it was so impactful on my life that the thought of coming back to East Carolina University and raising my two boys here was a no-brainer. Well, you were when I met you, you were the chief of staff for Dr. Steve Ballard, who many folks remember as a former chancellor. Hard to believe now we're, I don't know, three chancellors removed from Dr. Ballard, but it uh, wasn't that long ago Dr. Ballard was in charge. And for folks that don't know what chief of staff is, why don't you, because it's a fancy title. I always say it's the guy that's really running the university. Uh, how would you describe it? Yeah, and he's sitting in the room. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Now the you have your own there. chief of staff. Chris, Chris Lockley yeah, is here. Who, which many people know. But uh, <laughs> when you were chief of staff, how would you describe that job? Well, it, it really is a fun job. You never know what's going to be on your desk when you when you walk in the door. You can have a, you can have a calendar that's packed from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. And you walk in the door and something happens and you, you blow that up in a matter of seconds. So um, I, I was chief of staff for about six six years when I was at um, uh, the American Council on Education, I worked with a group called the National Association of Presidential Assistants in Higher Education, which are all the chiefs of staff around the United States. And so I had a chance to, to plug in with them and help them grow and, and shape their work. And um, it is it is the center of the university. Um, I, I was meeting with uh, Peter Hans, the UNC system president, and, and he said to me, look, if you need to talk and Think through strategy, and you get some advice. You you come to me. If you need to get something done, you go to my chief of staff. Yeah, and, and I think that's right. Um, I, you know, I, I get to be the the front guy and the the one that has these public conversations. But Chris and the team behind the scenes are really working hard to keep things moving. As I say, someone's got to make the donuts. Somebody's and, got to make and, the donuts. And the same thing here. Whether you're a team, organization, a business like ours, it, it takes good people to actually get the work done. Right. It comes, it comes yeah. with a lot of responsibility, less authority, but the responsibility is getting prepped and organized so yeah. that we can make the right decisions and, and communicate effectively with so our constituents. You left East Carolina to become CEO of... So I, so I left East Carolina in 2007, finished my doctorate degree at the University of Pennsylvania, and I was uh, sitting in my office at ECU one day, and former UNC system president Molly Broad uh, called me mm-hmm. uh, on my cell phone, and Molly had left UNC. She had gone to the American Council on Education, which represents about 2,000 college and university presidents and institutions around the country, and she said, you know, Philip, I, you've had a great experience in state public higher education. You have uh, had the opportunity to work for the institution that you love and that has shaped you in so many ways. You'll be even stronger in the future if you come and work for me at the mm-hmm. national level and broaden your experience, broaden your network globally and nationally. And uh, if you've ever met Molly, and I know a lot of people around here have, you it, you can't say no to Molly Broad. And so, uh, I so went that's to, how you ended up there. That's how okay. I ended up there. And I said to myself going there, Two years, three years, build the experience, right. and 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 let's move on. So, uh, almost eight years later, uh, senior vice president overseeing all of our uh, educational practice and okay, I might have had your title wrong for that. Yeah, an, okay, an, an, I gave you a promotion. I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, <laughs> but, but great experience up there. I guess. Incredible experience. Yeah. Got to know almost every college president in the country, which is uh, which is helpful on on the athletics front, which I know you all uh, care a lot about. Sure. And, um, and uh, a great global network across the world. Now you're a you're a young guy. I say that because guy. you're you're much much younger than me, believe it or not. But uh, at 37 years old, you don't see many 37 year olds become chancellor of a major university institution. I mean, you're kind of fast tracked here. Uh, that that's a lot of responsibility. But as I've told people, 
the Philip Rogers I know is much more mature beyond his years. Um, and I mean that in a good way. I, and we talked about it yesterday on the air, kind of like what Lincoln Riley was with offensive coordinators when he was here. He's kind of like, hey, this guy he has some special skills and he was fast-tracked for that and look how good he's doing. Hopefully you can do the same for East Carolina. We're going to we're gonna keep our fingers crossed. That's the goal. It's, um, it's Is it overwhelming, though, to be chancellor at 37? Well, you know, it's it's interesting. I've, I've been, over the last eight years, I've been exposed to, you know, sitting at the table for dinner with the president of Harvard, spending time with um, uh, Mike Rao, the president of VCU, who was a co- the youngest college president in the country at the time. He's now in his fourth presidency, and he's in his fifties. And yeah. you know, Mike Benson has been on three or four presidencies. Now down at, at Coastal Carolina, there's there's a good uh, track record of of young presidents that have come in and and have been successful. And it. Um, it yeah, it's always overwhelming to start a new. Has it, has it sunk in that you're, wow, I'm the chancellor of East Carolina University? Finally, now that I'm sitting in the Pirate Radio <laughs> studios, this is the place where it all begins, right? Uh, uh, it, it does sink we, in. We appreciate that, but uh, it does make it feel a little more real, I guess. No, it, it, it definitely does. When when you're doing the media availability, when you're sitting in front of your senior leadership team for the first yeah. time, when you're meeting with your board of trustees and really trying to begin to help shape their vision and my vision for the institution, it's um, it, it comes front and center rather quickly. Let's talk about that vision what is the vision for east carolina university now under your leadership yeah well well first of all i i've been saying to folks pretty clearly and i want it to be crystal clear that i don't come in with all all the answers um i I just i recognize the importance of how this community and how the students and the faculty and the staff and uh, members of the local area uh, have an invested interest in ecu so i want to spend a significant amount of time being out and about on their turf, listening and learning for them about what they think is is critical for the for the future of the university. And so, I, as I think about vision, I start with that mindset, knowing mm-hmm. that it can be most effective if it's if it's framed for me through the lenses and the voices of of the people who live it and breathe it every day. So you're going to see me out a lot trying to gather perspectives on that. But from a from a vision standpoint, I, I think about vision and priorities in in two ways. One is at a very high, broad. Uh, leadership philosophy level. And and on that front, um, my goal is to begin to uh, pick up where Ron Mitchelson left off of mobilizing the the ECU community and the broader Eastern North Carolina community around uh, a set of uh, shared goals, uh, unity as we move our mission forward. And and there's three quick things I'll mention that that are big picture vision oriented. One, we have to be a mission aligned institution. If we're not mission focused, uh, if we're not mission aligned, uh, we can't take that next step of uh, continuing to make the impact that we need to make. Number two, I think especially in the COVID time, we have to be future focused. We have to be looking around corners to make sure we're staying on the cutting edge of higher education. And three, you can't be on the cutting edge of higher education unless you're exploring and executing on some of the most innovative practices in the field. And I think that's where I bring some value to the table, having having sat at that table all around the country. Great answer. Uh, I, I like the fact that you'll be kind of listening and meeting folks. And as you know, there's so many stakeholders at East Carolina, so many different personalities and people that make up the Pirate Nation. But we are united I think as pirates, and I think we—I think we've all. When I say we, I'm talking about people that support the university, whether it's alums, students, faculty, staff, um, business folks, who whatever their tie ECU is, or just a fan. Yeah. I think we all want the same thing. Sometimes we just disagree on the path to get there. Yeah, and that's okay, yeah. right? That's the most important part is being transparent and open and sharing your perspective. And in the end, somebody has to make a call. We'll make the call when we need to make it. But having all those perspectives at the table is is vital for me on the front end. I, I asked you. 
once again, if you're just tuning in, we are talking to Dr. Philip Rogers with his first sit-down interview as the new chancellor of East Carolina University. Uh, when I when I talked to you the day you were hired, I asked you actually about how will you go about unifying the Pirate Nation because in the past there has been, um, you know, there there have been many divisive times and divisive past leaders that have picked favorites and. Uh, prop some people up by trying to punish others. And there's just been a lot of different things that's water under the bridge now, but things happened before you got here. But those feelings from folks still remain. I still talk to the people in the community that are, well, I didn't like how this was done or that. And you're never going to please everybody. But how do you go about unifying the pirate nation that that may have been divided in the past? Yeah, it was. It's funny. My um, my good friend Freeman Herbowski, he's the the president of the University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Uh, he was named uh, one of Time Magazine's 100 most influential people in the world, and and regularly is recognized as the best college president in the country. And he called me after uh, after I was appointed to uh, to this role, and he said, "Look, I've been doing this for." I think it's 37 years or something like that as, as president of UNBC. Um, he, he was one of the children in the Children's Crusade of the Civil Rights Movement, was thrown in jail and um, was you know, ch- challenged in many ways as a young child and as a great leader. Uh, but Freeman said, look, the top goal of a college president is to make sure everyone, not one person, not one group, everyone is minimally dissatisfied with you right yeah it's this good way to look at it's it. this opportunity to ensure that you're you're spreading the wealth around um in, in a way that you're making the best decisions that are right for the mission of the institution not for a particular person so i've been saying this isn't about me this is about us this is about our success not my success and so i i really believe that the the way to do that for me personally is to be myself and myself is to be a genuine authentic person with everyone that i meet i'm not going to play favorites I'm not going to, um, uh, you know, get into that type of uh, approach to leadership. I, I'm really going to be laser focused on ECU's mission and whatever it takes to get there. That's what I'm going to do. Sounds great. Uh, Philip. Once again, Philip Rogers joining us in studio for the very special edition of this Pirate Radio podcast as we talk big picture things with the new chancellor. And I'm just curious, how did you find out, well, not find out about the job that was well known that they were in a search, but you were up in D.C. with your family. When did you, I guess, maybe hear about, oh, East Carolina's opened the search up for a chancellor? And when did you say, man, that's something maybe I should apply for? I, I, I could possibly do that. How did it come about, you know, behind yeah. the scenes? How did how did you get to the point where you are sitting here today in front of me as chancellor of East Carolina University? How did what where did that first thought start? Yeah, I, I, so I haven't said this to anyone else before, and um, this is an interesting. It is an interesting story. I um, when when Molly, the CEO of ACE. Uh, moved into retirement and transitioned out. I, I hadn't pursued many other opportunities uh, when I was at ACE, and I um, during that time I felt like oh, I need a little insurance policy, so I'm going to test the waters of the market mm-hmm. um, when I was at ACE. And so I, I put my name in the hat for a college presidency around the country, and I did better than I thought I would do at that time. Mm-hmm. And and I made it to the uh, finalist round, and I won't say where that was, but I did it on campus visit. And um, at the end of it, my wife and I drove back home and. I looked at her and said, you know, that was enjoyable. I think I can do this job, but I can't do it at this institution because my heart is at 
as an ECU. Mm-hmm. And we had ECU had a full-time chancellor at the time, things were going well. Um, I said, I'm, I'm willing to sit back and, and wait my turn if that opportunity ever ever comes open. And over time, you know, things unfolded in a way that uh, that the role became available. And, and the minute the search launched, uh, it wasn't just one person. There were seven or eight or 10 people that reached out to me and said, can we nominate you? Can we put your name in the hat for this? And um, it, it literally is something that has been a fire in my belly and soul for the last three to five years. And when folks reached out, um, I said, sure, put my name in. I'm happy to explore and, and see where this goes. And so when the UNC system reached out to me and said, you know, we'd like to um, uh, we'd like to invite you in for an interview, um, uh, I, you found the most uh, thrilled person in the world to sit in front of that search committee. It was a little a little strange first interview, though. I can tell you about that at some point if you're interested. Yeah, well, what, what was strange about it? The virtual aspect of it. Oh, yes. You sit, in front of a, yeah. you sit in front of a group of 20 people and their tiny little dots on the screen. Right, yeah. And um, I could see two trustees. It was I remember Vince Smith. Is it Smith easier and, doing it that way or harder? For me, it was harder. Okay. The only two people I could see were Vince Smith and Jim Seeger. Uh-huh. And so I was building all of my uh, uh, answers and responses based off their facial expressions. Yeah, so, if I had to look at Seagrave for an hour or two, it would make me nervous. <laughs> I told him yesterday, I said, you guys directed me uh, based on your uh, raising of the eyebrows yeah. in the right direction along the way. That is, I, you don't think about that. That's right. Yeah. The search was during those times where you couldn't meet like normal people yeah. in now a the, group. Now, the campus interview was different. I met more than 70 people in about seven hours of the day. And uh, you you walk out of a day like that with a migraine headache yeah. and uh, a thousand names in your head and sure. uh, a lot to think about. But uh, I walked, I don't think I've ever had a job where I've walked out of the last interview saying, I'm going to be really disappointed if this doesn't work out. And, yeah. and that's how I felt coming out of this one. And I've heard you say before that, that being chancellor of ECU is your dream job. So, I mean, when you say that, I don't think you're just saying it to, you know, appease people or let them. No. I, I mean, I think you truly mean that. I, I mean it with all my heart. I mean, I, again, I, as I said earlier, when when I grew up in Greenville, those were the experiences that shaped who I am today. And ECU was a part of it. And you know, I've lived in Washington, D.C. for eight years. I sat in traffic for two hours a day. I had to, you know, if I wanted to go see my kids at their swim lessons from my office at One DuPont Circle, I had to plan 90 minutes in advance to be able to do that. Yeah, It, it wasn't the type of life that, that we were excited about le- living. And uh, the chance for my kids and my family to be able to come back here, it, it literally is uh, a dream opportunity for us. Philip Rogers joining us here on the Pirate Radio Podcast, new chancellor of East Carolina University. And Philip, speaking of living in Greenville, I get, you know, there was a lot of controversy at the time when the new chancellor house was purchased by the university or foundation or however they ended up doing it. Um, is I assume, is that where you're going to be living? That's that's where we're uh, that's where we've been placed um, uh, currently. It's a nice and, uh, setup, though. Uh, it, it's nice. It's different from definitely different from D.C. You know, you yeah. can look up and see the stars at night, and the uh, the transition for uh, my kids has been very different than. I mean, you know what it's like. Yeah. You've got what two boys? Yeah, they're a little bit older now. Yeah, but, um, yeah I've got a almost three year old, almost six year old, and you know, pulling them out of uh, school and leaving their friends was was harder on them than I anticipated. Yeah. So to have to have an environment where they can get to feel comfortable and used to that type of world is um, it has been has been valuable. But um, it, it'll be uh, yeah, it'll be an interesting opportunity to be able to leverage a university asset moving forward. The only good thing about I guess with kids nowadays versus when if my friends moved away or that happened when we were kids, 
you'd have to like the only way you could communicate is like you, who's going to write a letter you know you'd have to or maybe yeah, or get a uh, calling uh, one of the dial-in calling cards yeah, if it's long distance you, you weren't going to do that so i mean nowadays with technology they can still often still stay connected even if they, they are living separately they can and, and this community has been incredible i mean we've had people reach out and offer to do uh early uh, connections with the kids and um they, they've they've made them feel right at home and that's been really special for us to, to walk into that just curious uh how long do you think you'll be in this job I'll, I'll be in it as long as pirate nation will uh support me and in, in the institution i mean i, I really am um i i'm here for uh, a, the long-term commitment so when you're 37 now, 20 years from now, 57. 57, Do you yeah. think you, you think you'd still be Chancellor of East Carolina? I mean, let's think about how gray my hair would be by then. I mean, <laughs> like so I do have to clear one thing up, though. That the, the, um, some of the local outlets announced that I was 37 starting the job. I was very strategic in my start date, all right? So I started on March the 15th. My birthday was on March the 11th, so I'm one year older. Oh, you're 38. I'm huh? one year wiser. Yeah, that's uh, true. I've gained a lot of experience uh, since December the 17th when I was announced. So technically, I'm 38. Yeah. But it, you know, I, these are hard jobs, though. Oh yeah. Right? Look, like, if you could, I'll say this, Phil. I'll, I'll go make that. a prediction. If you're here when you're 57, 58, like if if you make it 20 years here, which you might, it's very possible. I'm not saying you can't, but. You, they'll look back at that as saying, wow, he was like a, a Leo type then. You know, if you could weather, especially in this day and age, you know how challenging these jobs are. Yeah. And with all the technology and all the critics and everything, yeah. that would be an incredible feat. But still, somebody's going to be chancellor. Yeah. The university's not going to close. And They're going to have a need for a chancellor. So if someone's doing a good job, why not let them continue? And, and the job is going to change over time. And, and you know, the, I'll say this. The average tenure based on the survey that my research team at ACE put out for college presidents was around six years. Yeah, it's right? like a football coach. It's like a football coach. If they make and, it that long. And and typically, it's not because the person doesn't want to be in the role mm-hmm. uh, longer than that. It's it's the pressures of the job. You have to do 10 different roles in the course of a 10-hour day. And the only thing the search committee didn't put in the job description that they should have was the ability to walk on the Tar River. Uh, <laughs> if I could walk across the Tar River, I'd be in a good I did shape. see the list. I was like, right? man, first going to have to check a lot of boxes. <laughs> I think they've come pretty close. But uh, yeah, they, I didn't... They, no ability to walk on water yet. Not yet. You have to talk to your dad about that. Yeah, he may have some good advice on that front. Yeah, he, he has. He can. He can reach those uh, higher powers. There's better connections there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, what did Steve, uh, former Chancellor Steve Ballard, think of all this when you when you got announced? You know, because like he was the kind of a you know kind of brought you up yeah. through the ranks here in East Carolina. Yeah, definitely. So he so it wasn't a surprise to him because I'd been talking to him long yeah the whole time. You know, I'd, he he's been a great sounding board. To, Probably still is. I'm sure he still is. It's, yeah. it, it was funny yesterday. Um, uh, a couple of trustees came in. They wanted to be here for the first day to to um, to greet and recognize and and be a part of the uh, announcement in the community. And uh, we, I was very intentional on my first day. I said to the team, "I want." I want a two-hour block on my calendar, and I want to be out on campus. I don't want to have meetings. I don't want to be sitting behind my desk. I don't want to be, um, you know, dealing with the details of the job. I want to be out with the students. Mm-hmm. And so we went over to the student center about uh, noon yesterday, and. Uh, but on the way, we went past the Mamie Jenkins building, mm-hmm. and I had to pay a visit to, to Ballard. Uh, and uh, uh, he wasn't there at the moment, but I took a selfie in front of his office. Is he still teaching a class? Him. Yeah, I oh, think wow. so. He's he's going strong. I think actually, okay. I think he's on campus today. And um, so he he's been incredibly supportive. He, he sent me an email yesterday morning, and um, has been a great guide. And uh, I owe a lot of uh, support to him, and, and thanks to him for my career. I. Um 
there's so much we can talk about, and hopefully this is the first of many visits I we'll have so. with you. So I don't, I don't want to get too bogged down in the weeds. So I want this to be more like Oprah in less like 60 minutes. So yeah. <laughs> I'm a, I was well, going to have our introductory one be nice and easy for you, Philip. You know, I don't, softballs? Yeah. Right. Well, and plus, you need some time to get acclimated. I mean, you don't have all, as you said, you don't have all the answers for East Carolina's problems right now. Right. And, um, you know, you, you, you're in day two officially yeah. of the job. But, but you mentioned athletics earlier, and obviously we have a big athletic focus here, and a lot of our listeners are huge Pirate supporters and fans of the program. Uh, athletics says you're inheriting a lot of financial issues, as you know. I'm not telling you anything that's not well-documented and that hasn't been discussed already. I guess my question for you is, how much of, the, of your time is is focused on the athletics issue versus it's still a big university has a lot of other moving pieces and a lot of other components to it how much time do you say well i need to work on this athletic issue versus everything else going on at the university yeah it's so one of my roles at ACE, to give you a little context, was working with new college presidents around the country and helping them acclimate to their roles. And I used to tell them every time we'd get together, the two two of the most complex aspects of being a college president or chancellor today are intercollegiate athletics and navigating a community-based uh, medical school and, and hospital. Yeah, I mean, if you've, if you've never been at an institution that has D1 athletics and if you've never been at an institution with a medical school, the learning curve is massive right. to get there. So um, I, I feel it at, at an advantage. And you get both here. And you get both here. But <laughs> yeah. the good news is I've been in those weeds before. I've yeah. been a part of that before. Um, you know, it's, it, it is um, a uh, an environment nationally that everybody's wrestling with. You know, you've got 25 D1 teams in the country that are actually, they have their revenues that are exceeding their expenses right, right. now. And all those are Power Five conferences. Right. So so we're wrestling with what a lot of institutions are wrestling with right now. Um, Where most of the programs do lose money, it's just a matter of how how much can you minimize it and it, at what point do you say, well, do we have to write this off as cost of doing business? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And so uh, I've spent a lot of time talking with, with John Gilbert and Ryan and uh, the Stephanie Coleman, who mm-hmm. uh, was over there for a while, now is the uh, interim CFO with, with the university. And um, they've been working hard to get me up to speed on things. And so, um, you know, athletics, as we often say, is not the most important thing in the university, but it also is the, the aspect of what we do that people see front and center and it influences so many different parts of this enterprise and um, it uh, it will have my attention yeah I agree it's probably not the most important it definitely gets the most attention and uh, gets some of the highest salaries yeah that's right on campus with the coaches and stuff and it can generate the most energy and passion in the community I mean I was at the baseball game on on Saturday and was excited to see the sweep over a, a fellow UNC system school. Anytime I get a chance to brag a little bit, I'll be on the chancellor's call later this week. I'll get to throw a few ribs at my UNC Charlotte colleague. Yeah. But uh, I don't know about you. I don't know if you went to any of the games, but uh, Saturday was, uh, I worked the jungle from left field to I, right field. And I saw it online. Up. Yeah, that was yeah, cool. It was good. It was yeah, good stuff. That's, uh, that's great that uh, you'll be accessible to and that, and that you like athletics. Not all you know folks in academia are athletic folks. Yeah, you. it's... Um, it was part of my uh, passion. As yeah. a Did child you say you played up. little league? Played Green- little league in Greenville. Yeah. I played for the old Burr's Welcome. Uh, oh wow! Team you are back in school. the day. Yeah. Yep, and um, it, it was uh, played one year at Rose High School. Before. What position were you? So I, I was a I was a utility infielder. I played a little first base when I was in um, when I was in little league. As I moved into high school, uh, my length 
helped me be a pretty decent pitcher, play yeah. third base a little bit. But my for bi- folks that don't know, you're you're a tall guy, six like, five. Yeah, yeah. Because I forgot how tall you were. Because I'm six one, and I'm like, I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah, my, I, for, I forgot how uh, much you loom over folks. I, I went into, <laughs> uh, I ended up going into um, higher education. My best friend growing up, who we went to A.G. Cox Middle School together in sixth grade. We went to Wintergreen Elementary for five years. Was Burke Badenhop, and Burke was um, went on to play at Bowling Green State, and then eventually. Uh, played for the Red Sox for yeah. five or six years. I think he's been years. a guest on Pirate Radio before. I think he has, yeah. yeah. So that um, he's a, a friend for life, and um, we started in Pitt County Schools basketball together here, and um, it's just Sports Town USA. Yeah. That's where we grew up. Philip Rogers joined us, Chancellor of East Carolina University, with his sit, first sit-down interview. Honored to have that here on our uh, Pirate Radio platforms. Philip, uh, fundraising always an important component for any university. It takes money to operate anything. How big of a... Uh, you know, focus do you put on fundraising what are your goals for fundraising with the university yeah well as we as we move into a post-covid era where uh, every campus in america is seeing money going out the door thank goodness for the latest round of stimulus funding that, that'll help us significantly we're going to have to figure out the right balance between state supported funds and a business model that brings in alternative revenue sources from different areas and you know we have an incredible Pirate alumni community and friends of the university, I think we have the opportunity to really step up into that space and and generate some resources to support those mission-aligned aspects of ECU, uh, athletics included. Uh, Perhaps uh, one of the most important areas where we can invest right now to ensure that we have the right scholarships for our student-athletes and are are on par with our competitors in that space. So um, you're going to find me spending a lot of my time focused on uh, relationship building. I'm going to consider myself the chief relationship officer of the institute and uh, I want to make some big asks here because I think we have the capacity to deliver uh, on high-level resources within our alumni base and elsewhere. What people get hung up on numbers a lot, even the size. You know, what? How many people attend ECU? What's the you know uh, size of the school? What is the ideal size for East Carolina University currently? Yeah, in we, your opinion, we have to strike a, the right balance between in person and. And online. Yeah, and that's right? another that, category too, which online continues to grow more that, and more, but isn't unlimited. It still takes resources to be able to do the it, online. It, sometimes it takes more resources. It, do, it doesn't take physical resources as much of dorms and um, you know student um, athletic centers and recreation centers mm-hmm. and um, all the things that, that students want to be a part of. But you, we have to be very smart about our enrollment growth on the undergraduate side, especially related to. Um, the on-campus related enrollment. And I, and I think there's an opportunity to grow um, in a strategic and smart way in that space. You know, I don't think we're going to see uh, any dramatic growth there uh, in the near future, given the enrollment cliff that's coming and the COVID situation. Where we need to be on the cutting edge of staying ahead of the, the game is in the virtual space, because there's universities all over this country that just spent the last year trying to catch up with us. We've yeah. been the distance leader in education. We can't let that happen. We have to we have to get really strategic, especially in our graduate programs, about scaling um, online uh, engagement with our students. So I, I'd love to see us grow, but I want to see us do it in a very methodical and smart way. And, and right now, frankly, the trend in higher education is is not one of growth. I mean, we're seeing yeah. we're seeing about a four and a half percent decrease in enrollment across institutions across the country. Uh, can can ECU be successful as a smaller institution, or does it need to continue to get bigger and bigger every year? I think we need to have steady 
steady, smart growth year after year as much as we can. Um, we've been, as far as I can tell, pretty level uh, over the last few years, even a couple of declines. And um, it, it's a hard, it's a tough environment yeah. uh, to grow right now. So if we can make some some steady growth, that would be a be a huge win financially and, and from an access standpoint. You talk a lot about relationships, and really that's what everything is about ultimately. Yeah. Uh, if people feel good, if they know somebody, if they're asked, they, they might donate, whether or buy tickets or decide to send to attend East Carolina University. It's all, everything is usually built on relationships. Uh, those need to extend, I'm sure you would agree with me, to Raleigh and Jones Street and the decision makers at the state legislature level that fund a lot of what's going on at East Carolina. I think that has, in the past, that has faltered. And uh, those were, and I know guys up there and they've told me that we have no relationship with anyone from East Carolina University. Will that change under your leadership? Yeah, I think it's already changed. Uh, I've spent a ton of time on the phone with our, our local legislative leaders and, and those at the highest levels of the General Assembly, um, not, not necessarily asking for anything, but simply learning about who they are, learning about what matters to them in eastern North Carolina, learning how ECU can add value to the region, can continue to stimulate economic growth. I mean, that that's what this is all about, right? It's about finding the right balance of a partnership with our state leaders who want to see our state be successful and grow in the role that ECU can play in that. And, and it's an area where I have a lot of experience uh, on campus. We brought in that dental school. We brought in that family medicine center. We brought in indigent care funding and enrollment yeah. growth for many years. And we did it because people trusted us. And so that's where we need to see this move. And as you know, you have to work both sides of the aisle. You can't yeah. go one way or the other. you got to work with everybody. Look, I'll tell you, when um, when the 2010 shift happened, um, you know, we had one political party that oversaw the um, the state of North Carolina primarily for for more than a hundred years, and even during that time, I made it a very I made a very intentional effort when I was the legislative liaison at ECU to um, to spend time on on both sides of the aisle. And, and when that shift happened, that was right at the moment where we needed the final funding for uh, the School of Dental Medicine. And I remember sitting in the in the office of one of the new appropriations chairs at the time, who uh, who was in the the new majority and he said to me you know there were a lot of people that walked past my office uh, for years and years but you didn't and you came in and you treated me like a person and like someone who mattered and for that we're going to get you this dental school and now i'm in a position to be able to help you do it now and yeah. so we, you have to and i think that's good for folks to know you, you've done those things before yeah. when you're here in east carolina so it's not new to you uh and that's what i said someone was asking me what do you think about philip i said well you don't have to show him around his first day a lot of, if you're new to a, a university and you've never been there before the first thing you've got to learn where do i park where's the building where yeah. what's where's show me around campus you can hit the ground running because you already know all these things. yeah the, the learning curve Inc including raleigh the, that's right and and let me tell you i told ron yesterday his office is on the second floor of spillman and i said we're going to build a trap door uh, at the bottom of your office so that i can pull it and you can drop down into into my office in spillman 105 if i ever need you he's close by and he's yeah. been a, a, a huge resource but look if Walking into this role, knowing Fifth Street, knowing Jones Street, and having a deep understanding of the federal government and the global higher education scene, that puts together four pretty solid pieces of the puzzle that yeah. I hope will make a difference at ECU. What, uh, just like a football coach comes in, they often want to hire their own team, bring in assistants. What, what important hires do you feel you need to make? Well, the first one sitting in the room through that glass over there is uh, chief of staff. And uh, when you when you look 
at um has chris been hired already or is this news to him uh no, no he's he's, he's <laughs> laughing now he he most definitely i don't know if we just struck the deal today yeah, yeah this is it yeah breaking news <laughs> yeah. uh no he most definitely knows that he's been hired I, I, he may be regretting it over the last couple of months given uh, how much yeah I, but that I, is I, an important hire for you it, it's the centerpiece sure it's the orchestra conductor as we talked about earlier yeah so um the board of trustees uh, unanimously approved him as chief of staff at the february meeting uh, we have a number of other um interim roles at the institution and i'm i'm spending some time now getting to know those folks reconnecting with those folks and and thinking about what potential searches might look like and and how to bring in uh or establish some of the existing relationships we have and, and help grow some folks into key roles i imagine the relationship with with your boss peter hans up at the unc system level is good and correct me if i'm wrong aren't you his first major hire i am i was the first chancellor hired under under president hans's uh tenure uh, at the University of North Carolina. And a uh, good story, when Mendenhall was still the student center, uh, the primary student center at, at ECU. It's my stomping grounds uh, right you there. You remember that. Oh, Me too. I, I remember, remember it well. Yesterday was my first real immersion into the new main campus student center, which is incredible, yeah. by the way. If, if, if you're in the community and you haven't been there yet, go go grab a, a sweet tea. Yeah, it's the, a big difference. It's kind of like the gym underneath um, Garrett Dorm versus the new rec center that <laughs> yeah. they built. It's two different worlds. Uh, two, yeah. yeah, two different worlds. Yeah. And it's a fun place to be. It was it was hopping yesterday. There were people everywhere, and, and it's good to see people on campus again. It, it was great, and um, but you're right. This is um, it's a new day. It's a new era. And I was walking up to Middenhall Student Center. I think it was in 2006 with then Chairman Hans of the Board of Governors. Okay, and he came for a visit, and uh, it was the time when I had just. Uh, I'm sorry, it was 2013. Uh, I had just announced that I was uh, stepping away to go to the American Council on Education, and at the time he said, uh, "You know, Philip, one of my goals as Chairman of the Board of Governors is to." grow talent within the system and make it okay for them to go out somewhere else, gain more experience, but recruit them back into mm-hmm. key leadership roles in yep. the future. And little did we both know, making that walk from that old parking lot up to Mendenhall Student Center, that he'd be the one to bring me back and it would be in this role. Don't want to dwell on uh, the COVID issues, but that is something that has affected uh, every university, every, everybody uh, around the country, around the globe. It, it does seem like things are moving in the right direction. Uh, what's your vision for ECU? I, I think by summertime, this thing's knock on wood, hopefully even a non-issue and has gone away. But what do you envision uh, the fall like? Is it things hopefully back to normal? That's the goal. That's the goal. We've, uh, we're really fortunate. Again, we talk about having a medical school and a major academic health center close by with Vidant, with uh, the Brody School of Medicine. Student health has been a, just going above and beyond to, to serve the community during this time. We've got the Pitt County Health Department. Uh, we're ready to administer as many vaccines as we can. The key is getting the allotment. And so let's get as many people vaccinated as we possibly can. But I can tell you we're already starting the process on campus right now of building out the right team that can start the planning processes to get us to uh, as normal operations as possible. I, I was telling students yesterday, if if the conditions keep going in this direction, I hope the fall of 2021, and hope is the key word, I hope the fall of 2021 looks more like the fall of 2019 than yeah. 2020. And I th- we can get there. I want to see it be a lot 
more normal than it than it has over the last year. We'll definitely have to have you back to talk more about things. I know we're running a little short on time, so we haven't been able to get into everything, but uh, there'll be plenty of time in the future oh. to discuss more issues. I do want to, before we get out of here, I, I've talked to some of my friends in the media, and I've heard you discuss this a little bit a couple times publicly. Uh, a guy we work with every day here, Jeff Charles, who's uh, you know has a role with us all the time, voice of the Pirates, long-time voice of the Pirates, pretty much predates everybody now at the university. <laughs> Just, I mean, it's one of the longest oh, ranking yeah, folks. And, and I said, you know, p- students come and go, professors come and go, fans come and go, coaches and players come and go. The only one consistent thing we've had over the, the last is the voice of the Pirates. That's something that unites all, like everybody remembers their first time they heard Jeff Charles. Um, I was told, and I've heard this from you too, that you can do a good Jeff Charles impersonation. And we love impersonations here at Pirate Radio. We are big into it. You we like do, it? Oh, all we right. do it all the time. So I wanted you to give a, give us an opportunity to hear your best Jeff Charles. This will be the debut. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I've only heard people sure? talk about it. I've all never right. actually heard you do it. All right. So this this is a big moment. I, I've, I've heard about it, and I, I've heard people say, man, this guy's got a great Jeff Charles. So let's, let's hear it. All right. Here we go. You all ready? Right. We are ready. All right. You got to put this on the reel one day. Oh, so this is way. In we're, fact, if if uh, two things, two two goals in life. All right, one goal is to sit next to Jeff Charles and actually uh, be a commentator on one of the uh, pirate football games, right? Or basketball. Oh yeah. All right. And well, we can two, probably make that happen. We can make that happen. I have a, <laughs> I have a good two, feeling that's going to be able to happen. All right. Number two is um, one day. John Gilbert tells me this is harder than it looks. Is I want to announce the starting five. In Minji's Coliseum, oh, I'm sure, yeah, with the full with the yeah. students oh, there, Morgan out of there, and have you do, yeah, just one time. That's, that's all that's, I need. And I'll be satisfied. That, that can, uh, I, I feel confident both those things can happen. All right, here we go. All right, here we go, Jeff. Here, this is the, the new chancellor of East Carolina University, Dr. Philip Rogers, as the voice of the Pirates, the legendary Jeff Charles. And a very pleasant evening, everyone. This is Jeff Charles, voice of the Pirates, coming to you live from Dowdy Ficklin Stadium here in Greenville, North Carolina. It's a beautiful 74 degrees as the Pirates prepare to take on the Wolfpack from North Carolina State. And if we can receive yet another victory here in Greenville, I think the Pirate fans will be happy and we will paint this one purple. Very good. The audience, folks can't see this or hear it, but the audience in the uh, Studio B is going crazy. And standing standing up, so, yeah. I like it. Big time stuff. That's great, Phil. That's that pretty was, good. That was off the cuff. So I, if I had the script, I could do it a little bit. I, uh, I have a special treat. As soon as we're done with this, I have Jeff Charles in the waiting room with a special presentation for you. He's yeah. actually oh, look, sitting he's sitting behind you. Mm-hmm. So we've uh, kind of come full circle here. So we have. This, this is a special stuff, moment. So. He's a great guy. Uh, Phil, thanks for, for your time today. Congratulations on becoming the next chancellor of East Carolina University. I think this was a great kind of discussion and a chance for folks to get to know you a little bit better. It's hard. You may not be able to interact on a personal level with every single person in the Pirate Nation, but a lot of times through the media and interviews like this, this is how you get people get to know you. So. It's a great way to do it. And I just want to say to folks, as I'm walking around ball games, as I'm on campus, as I'm in the community, please come up and say hello. Please introduce yourself. I even beyond the interviews and the public pieces, I want to meet people one-on-one. So um, you, you may not recognize me behind the mask, but if you do, come up and find me and, and say hello and take a picture and let's do something that uh, can celebrate Pirate Nation together. Well, we're glad to have you here and uh, we wish you, look, we wish you all the best because we're all, you know, rising tide lifts all ships. So uh, the better East Carolina University can be, the better it all is for everybody in this community, in the East 
and uh, a course for a station called Pirate Radio. So we, uh, we definitely are excited about your uh, potential and your opportunity here with the university. Who knows, Philip, maybe 20 years from now, we'll, we'll joke about, remember that interview? We're, bo- we're both 20 years old or doing the same thing. If we're sitting right here. God, God willing. We'll have an anniversary <laughs> meeting and we'll, we'll re-listen to this show. That'd be good. Right. We can critique each other then. Yeah, that's right. All right. We'll look forward to seeing you again. And uh, I know you've got a, a busy couple weeks, couple months coming your way. Probably probably busy year planned, but we'll definitely circle back with you and uh, and have you on again, at least before football season. Can't wait. Looking forward to it. Thanks so much for your time. That is Dr. Philip Rogers, Chancellor of East Carolina University. What a great episode today of the Pirate Radio Podcast with Troy D. and his special guest, new ECU Chancellor, Dr. Philip Rogers. Special thanks to our sponsor, White Claw Hard Seltzer. Look for White Claw at your favorite retailer next time you're out shopping. White Claw Hard Seltzer is available in five fruit flavors, has two grams of carbs, gluten-free, and only has 100 calories. Nothing tastes quite like it. We'll be back very soon with another edition of the Pirate Radio Podcast. In the meantime, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in your Apple Store. You can visit our website at PR927FM.com and follow us on social media at PR927FM to keep up with the latest news and information. Until next time, have a great day, everyone. You have been listening to the Pirate Radio Podcast, brought to you by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Nothing tastes quite like it. Visit WhiteClaw.com today. White Claw Hard Seltzer, proudly distributed by Coastal Beverage. Please drink responsibly. The Pirate Radio Podcast is an exclusive presentation by Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation.